This message was preached for Father's Day 2020, and it was preached for an Episcopal church in Deland, Florida, the St. Barnabas Episcopal Church. And the Episcopalian tradition deals with liturgy. And so they have set tracks of scripture that's used. And so our ambition as those who would preach within that liturgy is to take those those tracks of scripture and to develop a message from the Lord, which I believe that I have for this Father's Day. And the scriptures are comes from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 13, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11, and Matthew chapter 10, verse 24 through 39. And what you'll see that the Lord allows me to do is to take these portions of scripture and to kind of blend them together. I'm going to address each one of those scriptures but I'm going to deal with the backgrounds of them. And dealing with the background, you begin to understand the heart of the message for this Father's Day. Let's get in the Word. This is Sean and the Word. Hey, good morning. God bless you. It's Father's Day, and we we'll pray. And to get in the Word, we have a rich, rich a bunch of lessons that's, that's collected for us today, and we are just excited to, to be with you. Very thankful for what the Lord's doing in our nation, in the life of his people, in the life of his church, and uh, we're thankful. So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, the testimony of truth in the midst of a dark generation. We thank you, God, that you allow us to be a part of what you're doing even now, God, that we are your chosen race, your, your, your royal priesthood, God, that even in this generation, God, that there's a testimony that Jesus saves and that you are the truth, the way, and the life. And Lord, you're the answer. And we just thank you. And we ask, Lord, that even today that you would glorify your name and that the power of your Holy Spirit would be evident and known upon our hearts and our lives as we hear, as we look, and as we listen to the things of you. Holy Spirit, living God, have your way. Do what only you could do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you again. It is Father's Day, and I want to tell you, Father's Day is so special to me. I'm a, I'm a father now. I'm a dad. And uh, I just, man, it's one thing to, to just be a, 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 a father that, that allows the children to be born, but yet is not involved in their life. And it's another thing to, to be a good dad that's heavily involved in their children's life and helping them, growing them, teaching them, leading them, and reflecting God to them. And that, man, that makes it easier for the people of God to be able to point to the Father in heaven and to allow the, the children of God to understand what it means to have a Father in heaven, a good Father. And so for all the dads out there being good dads, reflecting God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep going. It's not over yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. And today's colic, I would like us to look at, and as we read earlier, the colic is so powerful. It's a collection of prayers from the, from the lessons, and it has a way of putting everything together. And I would say that it's anointed by the Holy Spirit. Almost every time that I've ever been with you, I have been blessed by how the colic and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit brings the thought together of what the readings were for that day. And this collect is no different. It says, O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. For you never fail to help or govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your love and kindness through Jesus Christ, 
our Lord, who lives and reigns with you forever and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. I love that because it talks about the Trinity, the work of the Father in the life of the believer with the, with the help of the Son and the work of the Holy Spirit doing something inside of us for his holy name. Now, follow my thought. A couple of days ago, me and Sean, I'm a father of two. Sean is four years old and Daniel just turned a year. Sean just turned four. And Sean's at the age where he's like, in the, he loves to do things with dad and for dad. And the other day I was clearing some brush and it was hot, man. It was hot. It was before this rain had started. It was hot. And uh, Sean went out there to help me. He said, dad, I want to help you. I said, come on, boy, let's go out there. And uh, he's out there helping me clear up some trees and some brush. And it was hot. And that little boy's face turned red and redder and red. And he just enjoyed being out there with daddy. You know, it was so much fun. He knew that daddy could do it all by himself, but he was out there doing it with daddy. And he just had a great time with me. He loved working with me, loved being around me. And really that's what this, these lessons are about. It's about the men of God, the servants of God, the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, simply wanting to work with dad. Knowing that dad could take, it all, take care of it all by himself but yet to have an opportunity to do a work with him and for him. And this is really when we talk about the Old Testament reading in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 20 is the lesson reading for today, but let's talk, let's just kind of reflect on, on who Jeremiah was. Let's look at the call of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet, a man of God, a servant of God, called to be used by God in his generation. God said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he says, the Lord told him, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. The Lord told him, he says, uh, Jeremiah, I set you apart before you even were born. The Lord promised him in Jeremiah chapter 5 that the Lord appointed Jeremiah and gave him authority as a prophet over the nations. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 7, the Lord told Jeremiah that he must go where he sends him. The Lord also told Jeremiah that he must say what he tells him to say. Jeremiah 1.8, the Lord promised Jeremiah that he would be with him. The Lord commanded Jeremiah not to be afraid or fearful of what he would face. And Jeremiah 1.8, it continues, for the Lord promised to rescue Jeremiah. To not only rescue him, but to constantly be with him. The Lord says, Jeremiah, I want you to be a part of this work, this, this fatherly work, this kingdom work. And I can do it all by myself, Jeremiah, but I want to do it with you. I want you to be involved in what I'm doing. Jeremiah 1.9 says that the Lord reached down and touched the mouth of Jeremiah and filled him with the words of God. Jeremiah 1.10 says the Lord gave Jeremiah the authority over nations to build, to plant, to uproot, and to tear down and destroy. Jeremiah 1.18 and 19 says that the Lord promised Jeremiah that he would make him like a fortified city, walled around, and that he would never be overcome. The call of Jeremiah is a powerful call. It's a testimony that the Father invites us to be involved in his work that outlasts us. He don't need us. But the invitation was clear that he wanted them. 
But then you see the cost of the call. Jeremiah was known as a weeping prophet all the way throughout his life. He had a weep, a cry, a lament. Jeremiah was known for being persecuted, thrown into a cistern. Uh, in our text today, before our text today, some, some issues, troubles, and beatings. He was ridiculed, mocked, and, and scorned, and, and, ashamed, and shamed. Jeremiah was known for being a prophet that, that in his generation was the only one that was speaking the truth of God while all the other prophets were speaking hearsay and, and, and tickling the ears of the people. Jeremiah was also known for being discouraged. Jeremiah chapter 5, he says, Lord, how can I keep doing this when the heathen are not listening and the wicked continue to prosper? Why do I keep doing this? And the Lord says, Jeremiah, how can you expect to run with horses if you're getting tired where you are? Then you see in Jeremiah chapter 19 and 20, the Lord calls, he summons Jeremiah to him and he says, Jeremiah, basically I want you to go and slap the, the priests and the, the officials of my temple in the face with the gospel of righteousness. Let them know that what they're doing is wicked and far from my heart. And Jeremiah, I want you to go there with righteousness and repentance. Chapter 20, Jeremiah shows up. Pasher responds to this message that Jeremiah proclaims. And he takes Jeremiah and he puts him in the upper stocks, it says, which is like a cage of chains in front of Benjamin's gate. And it says that he's put there and really as a spectacle for those who would pass by coming in and out of the, out of the city, those coming in and out of the temple. And they put Jeremiah up there as a spectacle to show everybody they're not agreeing that this is a man of God, a servant of God or a prophet of God. That he's not called, he doesn't represent God. They shamed him, they mocked him, they ridiculed him. There were some that even took pop shots at him as he sat there all night long before the people. A public disgrace simply for being obedient. The next morning, the pastor takes, takes Jeremiah down. And Jeremiah warns him, he says, you will not get away with this. You and your, your friends will all pay for what you have done for the Lord hears and sees and the Lord surely will judge. And then we get to our text where Jeremiah must have went and got along with the Lord like he's done several times throughout his writings and he simply brings his heart to God and he complains to the Lord. In verses seven and eight, he says, Lord, you deceived me. Lord, you, you brought me to a place where I would be ridiculed and mocked and shamed. And Lord, you brought me and they, you allowed them to do that to me, Lord. In 20 verse 9, Jeremiah basically says, I quit. I'm not going to talk about you no more. I'm not going to mention your name no more. I quit. I give up. I can't take it. It's too hard for me. In the King James Version there's one of the greatest conjunctions ever was been formed in man's history. A but. Jeremiah saying, I quit, I give up, I'm not going to speak your name no more, I'm not going to mention your ways anymore, what you tell me. 
But then there's that conjunction. But. But his word was like a fire in my bones. I couldn't stay silent. I had to continue. I had to press on. I had to continue to be obedient and faithful. There was a fire, fire in my bones. The word of God burnt within Jeremiah. He wasn't allowed to give up on his generation. He wasn't allowed to be silent during his time. He was a man of God. He was a prophet of God. He was a servant of God. And he was not able to stop. He couldn't return it. He couldn't quit from it. He couldn't give up. He had to be faithful. Let me get to our gospel readings. Our gospel readings, not much different. Our gospel readings talks about in Matthew chapter 10, it really starts explaining the disciples. Matthew chapter 10, verse one, it says that Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. A disciple is described as one who is, who is committed to follow to the end. One who is committed to follow to the end. And the idea is those who would come and gather along a rabbi, a teacher, and they would follow them day in and day out. Their lives would be attached to that teacher day in and day out with others who were attached and committed to that teacher day in and day out. They were called and called together as followers of Jesus Christ for their lives, committed. And it says that they were, they were committed. They would learn, they would follow, and they would do life with their teacher, with their master. They were in it together. Jesus had a plan for his disciples. Jesus, and this plan included carrying out the very work that he himself was doing. Imagine that. The father doing the work through the son, then the son saying, hey, I can do this all by myself, but I'm going to allow you to be a part of it. I'm going to allow you to be involved. Jesus' plans for his followers is to include them in this eternal work. Jesus gave them the authority to do that work. The idea of authority is the idea of having every legal right and power to carry out what's being asked of them. As we continue down, uh, let me summarize here. Summarize what we just learned from that one verse. Jesus says, hey, come here, all of you. I have something for you. I'm going to give you the power to do it. Now go and do it. As we continue down, get, before we get to our verses, we see their message, who their message was for in verse five and six. Their message was for the lost sheep of Israel. In verse seven, who, what was their message to be? In verse seven, it says their message was simply to be the kingdom of God is near, it's at hand. In verse eight through 10, how would they reflect this message? How would they prove that this message is the truth? For they would heal the sick, cast out the, the, the demons and raise the dead. And not make it about money, dollars and cents. It says, don't take no gold and silver for yourself. 
Then you see, when they, how would they know that they were in the right place? Verses 11 through 15, it says that they were in the wrong place to shake off their hands and feet and, and remove themselves and go to a place that would accept them and there allow your peace, the blessing to abide. But they're also told that it would not always be biscuit wheels and gravy train. Verse 16, Jesus warns them that they're going out like sheep amongst wolves. Verse 17, Jesus tells them that they will be handed over. Verse 17 again, Jesus says they would be scourged or beaten. Verse 18 through 20, Jesus promises that they would be in prison and have to give a constant account of why they follow this Jesus. In verse 21, Jesus says that family members will be betray family members and there'll be hardship and division. Verse 22, Jesus tells them, everyone's going to hate you because you're called by me. You're a servant of me and you're working with me. Verse 23, Jesus tells them, but you keep going. You don't give up. You keep enduring. Then we get to our scripture for today. Jesus speaking. A student is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. Is it not enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master? If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the daylight. And what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who kills not only the body, but destroy both the soul and the body and can throw it in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So listen to this. So don't be afraid. You, you are worth more than sparrows. The Lord says you're going to have hardship. It's not going to be easy. You're a follower of me. You're a child of mine. We're in this together. They did this to me. They're going to do this to you, but you remain faithful. You remain faithful. You matter to the Father. You matter to the Son. You matter to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, people might rise up against you or think ill of you. Yeah, there's a world that's, that's shaken at the pains of the gospel. But you, you keep going. For your value is far more than sparrows. His commitment to you is far greater than any on this planet can comprehend or conceive. You keep going. You stay committed to Jesus. Then we see in the epistle for today, Romans chapter 6, Paul, who is a man who finished well. In Romans 6, Paul declares, it's like really this turning point 
the first five chapters of Romans, he's talking about this gospel and the power of this gospel and how this gospel can save and how it can do a work. And then chapter six, this gospel gets practical. How it not only can save you, but practically what does it look like? The working out of this salvation upon a heart that is fully committed to follow Jesus. He says that those hearts are dead to sin and alive to God. You're dead to, to quit and you're dead to, 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 to unfaithfulness and you're alive to the work of God. You're alive to faithfulness for he has given you a spirit of faithfulness. He says you will continue because you're alive in Christ. You're alive in Jesus. You're alive with Jesus. Just like Peter, James, and John left their fishing nets, <laughs> their boats, and all that they had and made a life decision, a life commitment to follow this Jesus. Just like Matthew, Levi Matthew, that left his booth and all that he had, his wealth, his dreams, all of his prosperity to commit his life to following Jesus and be involved in the work of this kingdom. Just like all of those who have gone on before us have made a decision to make Jesus Lord of their life. They made this commitment, a lifelong commitment to share, live, preach the gospel. So are you. You're dead to sin. You're dead to the elemental principles of this world. You're dead to selfish desires and self-seeking, self-centered life. And you're alive. You are alive in Jesus, with Jesus, and for Jesus. He don't need you. He wants you. He can do it all by himself at a flick of his finger, the sound of his voice. But in 2020, he invites you. Come on. Come work with Daddy. Let's do this together. Paul says you. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are not above our teacher, but we are committed to learning, and we are committed to following, and we are committed to finishing. I told you about that, Sean. Boy, he loved being out there with Daddy, man. It was, it was cool. 20 minutes into it, I look around and John's gone. I said, Where, where'd that joker go? I went inside to the nice air condition and his face was so red. He had a bottle of water in his hand and he was playing some games that Dad, I'm just gonna stand here, it's okay. I said, yes, son, it, it's all right. <laughs> but you know, that sounds like the flesh. It sounds like all of us. When it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it gets hot, we want to quit. We walk away, we want to give up. That's the nature of humanity. We're born quitters. We're born with this innate ability to just give up when it's a little bit too difficult. 
That's not a reflection of the children and the people of God, the prophets of God, the, the servants of God. See, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of fire came and he filled us with himself. The very spirit of faithfulness, the very word of God on fire within us. And no matter how hard it gets, no matter how hot it gets, no matter how difficult, there's a fire inside of us that says, but the fire is burning. We can't give up. We can't quit. We can't go back. With Daddy, we're in this world. He don't need us. gives us what we need to continue. Just like Jeremiah. Just like the apostles. Just like today. We reflected on Jesus' call in Matthew chapter 10. I had said some things in summary. Until next time, this is Sean and the Word.